When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, we've been taking a deep dive to figure out how Penn State builds back a winner in 2022. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. To do that, we've been taking a look at the 2019 season, the last time Penn State was successful. Let's call that a successful season where they made it to the Cotton Bowl. They won a New Year's Six game. Um, now, we have been taking a look at that season because that was the last time the team was uh, successful with quarterback Sean Clifford. So answering two questions this week of how does Penn State win with Sean Clifford and can they? So this is the roadmap to being competitive in 2022. Now, there are a bunch of different ways that you can be successful. And uh, you they don't have to follow this blueprint exactly. We're just pointing out some areas and some roadmaps of are they can they be on the right track? Do they have the players to get there? Now, we took a look at the offense and Clifford on Monday and Wednesday. So if you want to check those out, the BWI Daily Edition, check those out here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And to our podcast listeners, once again, this is a very stat-heavy episode because we're using PFF stats. We're stripping away scheme, we're stripping away uh, circumstance, and we're just looking at the raw output of what they did, and we're diving into the numbers to find out a little bit of the how. So you can find some of that information and give context to then apply it to a different situation gives us a little bit of clarity, cuts through some of the nonsense, uh, but it is not a complete picture. And like I said, you can do this in a bunch of different ways. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to take a look at the defense. A little bit of a cloudy picture here, but we're going to do our best to sort through it. The first thing I need you to do, though, is subscribe at bluewhiteillustrated.com so you can check out all of the information from Blue White Illustrated. It's $1 for 12 months of access. You cannot beat that deal. Listen, I... Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this here. Between you and me, we're friends. Like, I, I'm a 30-year-old man that still plays video games, right? And I was looking to buy a new video game, and it's like 65 bucks. I remember when you could buy them for 50 when I was a kid. You know, like, I, sounds like I'm buying a, a Nickelodeon for a nickel. But what I'm trying to say is you can get that much entertainment, which gets you like 60 to 100 hours for 70 bucks. Or you can buy BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for $1 and get 12 months of access, 365, an unlimited number of hours of entertainment and football education. You learn some more about football, about basketball, about all the things we do over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. So now that I got that rant over, let's get into some of the information and take a look at how Penn State can be successful in 2022. So let's take a look at the Penn State team uh, when it, as it was and there's, there's one place that you got to start with 2019 because it was an exceptional team in one particular area. They were an excellent run defense, and that was not present last year, and I think everyone's fairly aware of that. 2019, they had the second overall PFF grade for a team run defense nationally behind only Ohio State, 94.4. So now we're getting into not just good, these are elite numbers. Last season, a 61.2 overall grade. 
Now, again, there's a hundred different ways to get to the overall grade. It is not in context whatsoever. And you saw those two players on uh, the, the screen there, and that's intentional because the defense in 2019, as you may be aware, was built around Micah Parsons. He was a, a foundational piece of the defense, and a lot of stuff happened around him. And that's how you get to this grade, is what he was able to do up front. Curtis Jacobs is the foundational piece of the front seven coming back next year. Uh, but they're different players just to compare, mostly to show you how crazy Micah Parsons was as a football player, as that Will Blitzing linebacker. In 2019, he had 50 stops, 77 tackles, the second highest ever run defense grade for an individual player at 94.8, five sacks and eight hits. Now, for Curtis Jacobs, at the Sam linebacker position, he had 32 stops, 55 tackles, and a 72.2 run defense grade, which is pretty good. Two sacks and two hits. So there is a wide gulf between those two individual players as far as guys that kind of make the engine go. Now, they're not the... Will linebacker is not the most valuable position on the field for defense. Corners, defensive ends, if you've got a dominant three-tech, they can all have a bigger impact on the game. But really, Parsons was a unique player, and I guess that's what we're pointing out here, is that he was so individual and so unique that he could take over the game from that position and could do things outside of the typical value, I say, you would assign to that particular area. But that's not to say that that's really what we should be looking at, because these are two different players. Curtis Jacobs and, and Micah Parsons are very different stylistically, but they can achieve similar results. And of course, we're not looking at a Brent Pry defense. We're not trying to replicate something from 2019 because it's Manny Diaz as a show now. So a different scheme in a different player can yield better results. And these are the things that Manny Diaz looks for in his defense. Smart, fast, physical, blitzes well. And I think you can see tremendous coverage upside from uh, Curtis Jacobs. That's something that didn't really manifest itself for Micah Parsons until he made it to the NFL. And I didn't know he was going to get there because, you know, he's a defensive end playing linebacker and he's just so good physically that he can do anything. Very few people can do that. But you can get that out of Curtis Jacobs in a different way. And in the Manny Diaz defense, this is a very good fit. So you can have similar production, I guess you could say, or similar effect, given that, uh, you know, uh, he's moving to the will linebacker position for the first time, but he's a good coverage player in a, in a tough coverage role, by the way. I don't think the Sam linebacker gets enough credit for having an impossibly hard job because you have to cover the field side of the football field, which means the long side, which means from essentially the hash to the sideline, like 25 yards. The ball can go over your head all the time. There's not a lot you can do about it. You just have to bait the quarterback or something. So it's a very hard position. He did it well. Now he's moving with those covered skills to the box. So the question then becomes, does he have the uh, speed and does he have the, uh, the, the instincts to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage? Because Manny Diaz's defense is about attacking. It's about attack, attack, and more attack. So uh, linebackers are going to run blitz. The defensive line is going to be aggressive getting upfield. They're going to stunt. They're going to run stunt. They're going to have guys moving two or three gaps at a time. 
those things require coordination and speed. That is the from defensive tackle to safety. Speed is really what this defense is all about, and that's why uh, a guy like Curtis Jacobs is really a great fit. So tackles for loss, doing things like uh, blitzing in the backside, shooting gaps that uh, to get in the backfield to get tackles for loss. You can do those things if you don't miss because there is a bit of risk-reward here where if you don't get the guy to the ground, there can be big running lanes. But historically, Manny Diaz, despite having a speed defense, has been as good in these situations of creating a good run defense. Uh, from 2017 to 19, his teams had a PFF run defense grade of 88 or higher, including one where they were in uh, several where they were in the, in the 90s, the low 90s. So elite run defense grades. What I just described to you can work if you've got the pieces in place. And that's why uh, Curtis Jacobs' ability to blitz and cover is very important in this situation. But it's not about run defense, truthfully. We're just trying to find some common threads here. But what this is really about and what you should really want to know is how many points did they give up? So again, we're going to take a look at 2018 as the best example of what Manny Diaz did at Miami. So you can see, 2019, Penn State gave up 20.5 points. Last season was Brent Pry's masterpiece. They gave up 17 points a game. That was top, like, top five in the nation. 2018, Manny Diaz was very close to that very good uh, Penn State defense of giving up 21 points a game. So at his best, Manny Diaz can craft a defense that does the things necessary to win, be a part of the solution and not be hampering or hindering things from the defensive side of the ball. He This defense does work when the parts and pieces are in place. So let's dig into that. What parts and what pieces do you need? I asked him this uh, offseason during spring ball, what sort of coverages does he believe in? Man coverage, zone coverage, split field coverage. And he said, well, if you want to know what I believe in, I believe in pressure on the quarterback. And that is a hallmark of Manny Diaz's defense. He will get pressure no matter what. He will find a way. And I said aggressive downhill. He puts the 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 pressure on the defense on the offense to make plays. So again, in 2018, the best example of a team defense that played well. Not the team's overall win-loss record, but how did the defense through PFF output production, did that side of the ball hold up their end of the bargain? And in that season, that was their best coverage grade, their best pass rush grade. And the secret sauce here is pressure from a lot of different places. Two edge defenders, two linebackers, and one defensive tackle all had 20 or more pressures. So we're not talking Arnold Ebikidi as the one guy getting to the quarterback. This is from a lot of different places. That Will linebacker, the Mike linebacker blitzing, defensive ends getting after the quarterback, and of course some pressure from the interior. Pressure is not fundamentally one thing, though. So you can have three defensive ends if they're good getting after the quarterback. Penn State has a stable of three techniques that can get after the quarterback. So does Hakeem Beeman, Keziah Izzard, Zane Durant, do they change those numbers? That's entirely possible. Does Penn State only have one linebacker? Does Curtis Jacobs, he's the only guy that gets up to that threshold? Maybe. But at its best, having four pass rushers and then critical pressures. Not blitzing all the time because you have to, blitzing because you want to. That's the key here. 
blitzing, I'd say about a third of the time is when most defenses are at their best. And the rest of the time, you're getting after the quarterback with really good football players who get who get there. So let's build out what that would look like with Penn State, starting up front. So you have uh, the Penn State fits here. Adisa Isaac is obviously your fastball pitcher. This is the guy that has to play well at the defensive end position. Uh, there's guys on the roster, but really when I look down the line, the players that have to play well or that have to play quickly are Denai Dennis Sutton and Damian Robinson. They have the pass rushing potential to get there. Uh, the other guys on uh, the roster, you got Curtis Jacobs and, and truthfully, Open to interpretation. Is this Jonathan Sutherland as the other linebacker? Is from the Sam position? Is this going to be one of the middle linebackers? And then from the three technique, like I mentioned earlier, can be Hakeem Beeman, or maybe this is an area where they truly can get home with four players if they've got three uh, good pass rushers on the field from the defensive line, from the defensive tackle, and from the defensive end position. But those, that's kind of how I'm seeing it right now, is those young pass rushers... Even if you want to go back to the Penn State defense in 2019, they had Shaka Tony, uh, Adafe Owe, Yitor Grossmatos were all a part of the pressure, and Micah Parsons. Uh, two first-round picks, and I believe like the 36th overall pick with Yitor Grossmatos. So oh, like a lot of top 50 picks that were getting after the quarterback, that were getting pressure on the quarterback. Penn State can do that, but they've got to have their five-star freshman and their five-star transfer, their high four-star transfer, they've got to be a factor at some point in the season or else it's going to result to more blitzes, which is riskier. And that's really what I've seen over the last couple years from Manny Diaz's defense is the defensive line did not consistently get pressure and they did not get the waves of pressure that you're looking for. So that led to more single coverage. And like I said yesterday in the BWI Daily Edition, if you're playing a zone concept with an all-out blitz, what's the difference between whether it's man or zone? There's only four or five guys back there, and there's four or five guys in routes. So tell me, how is that different than single coverage? So you've got to be able to get pressure and then create those zones, create the short, quick pass. The quarterback has to get the ball out so that you can drive on those plays and you can get to where they were in 2018 with Miami where they picked off 16 passes, which is the highest mark of any of these defenses we're talking about. That's the goal here. Force the quarterback to throw quickly and have guys ready to jump on those routes and get those things and get those those interceptions. But this to me is where Penn State has the best chance. If they can get just enough pass rush next year that they're not putting themselves in too many risky situations, the coverage situation is good. So if you take a look at what Penn State did well last year and how many players they have returning, their coverage grade, their output, I think we all can see this from last year, 89.9, which was fifth in the nation. So despite the fact that Penn State was not a great team, they had excellent parts of the roster. And in 2018, it was one of the best coverage units uh, in the nation as well. And here are the returning players. Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, Daquan Hardy, three starters returning, and key talented depth players. Kalen King was working himself into a co-starter role at the end of the season. Jalen Reed, Zachy Wheatley, talented players, and Keaton Ellis as a veteran coming in to round out a very deep group. So this group of players can get there. And the thing that's interesting, too, is you look at not just the grade, but the output, passer rating allowed. Uh, 76 is good, but 67 
That's where uh, Miami was in 2018. That's the goal for Penn State's defense because that means you're getting the ball from the other team and you're giving your offense more cracks at touchdowns and field goals, short fields, things like that. And I think there's enough talent on the offensive side of the ball to prop things up there where if Penn State can just get the turnovers, even if they're a little bit leaky in run defense next year, which I expect is going to be the case. I just don't see that this team, even with some of the reinforcements on the interior where they have good players at defensive tackle, there's a lot of unprovenness there. And maybe the parts and pieces fit better with Manny Diaz than they did with Brent Pry. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of really aggressive, fast football players at the defensive tackle position. If they can slip blocks and get into the backfield or create havoc so that the linebackers can, can clean that up, then yes, this can be a good defense, but there's just a lot of ifs there. But the coverage I'm expecting to be good unless they're hung out to dry. So then it comes back to, and I, I hate to do this, but it comes back to the situation in pass rush where Adisa Isaac... I, I just, I'm concerned in this situation, looking at Adisa Isaac, where uh, his pressures have come from. Let me read you this. So in 2018, going back to Manny Diaz's defense, Joe Jackson was the lead guy. You always got to have a fastball, right? You can't just have uh, 100 guys getting two or three pressures. You need one guy who's going to get there and you can count on, like uh, last year where Penn State had... Uh, Arnold Ebikidi, 12 sacks and 11 quarterback hits in 2018 for Joe Jackson. This is the These are the career numbers for Adisa Isaac. 13 career pressures, four sacks, two hits. And this is why I keep saying, I understand he has the talent. I understand that he is in a situation where he's going to be the lead guy. He can go get it if he can get it, but I've never seen him do it. I've never seen a full season of him doing, even as a, a reserve player. So, 2021, to me, that's a pivotal thing, is that defensive end position, who is going to come through and deliver? Because if Penn State finds something up front, then they're cooking. So that, I hopefully, if uh, you were following along this week, you have a better insight into what, Penn, what I'm looking for next year from Penn State, some of the things that they need to improve, some of the areas that I think are important, and why I'm a little bit higher on their ability to transition under Manny Diaz because of the strength of that coverage unit. That can erase a lot of problems. Just look to last season. Penn State was bad at, at giving up running uh, yardage. They were, again, going back to what we talked about with their PFF grade, they were 90th in the nation in their overall run defense grade, and yet they gave up 17 points a game. If your coverage is good, it gives you some leeway to make mistakes. I think Penn State can be there with guys like Joey Reporter Jr. and Jair Brown that can be top draft picks in 2023. And that top draft picks means like the top 75 to 100. Not the top 32, because I don't I don't know about that. You don't know about that either. Nobody really knows. But anyway, I think that's the, the outlook for this team. So a couple things need to come through. So to recap from Monday, Sean Clifford needs to be who he is. Don't try to be more. Don't try to be less. The offense needs to produce more explosive run plays, but they've got better receiver depth and more overall talent than even in 2019. Uh, the offensive line obviously has to take a step forward, but the youth and talent might prove that could happen. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they've got the coverage. They've got to find the other stuff. 
So that'll do it this week for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Hope you've enjoyed this. Make sure you subscribe here to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be doing this all summer long. Not Well, not true. I'm taking a couple days off next week. So you won't see me Thursday, Friday next week. But, you know, for the summer, we'll be here talking about recruiting as it picks up. More thoughts, more things from you, more BWI mailbag. So stay with us through the summer. Hope you enjoy the BWI Daily. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you on Monday.